Gen X grown up as a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome, Gen X grown-up podcast listener to the Gen X grown-up backtrack podcast which is the podcast, as you all know, between our regular episodes where we pick a single topic and dig in deep. Joining me, as always, is Mo. Hey, everybody. And George is here. How's it going, guys? We've got a really cool topic to discuss for this backtrack, and I want to tell you how we arrived at it. And I do that by reading you an email from our fourth listener. Again, this fourth listener? A backtrack or so ago, you remember we talked about after-school TV. Remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah. At the end of the episode, George was mentioning some show he watched that had guys with big floppy heads, and we couldn't figure out what he was talking about. Well, I got an email from Slowmo, longtime listener. He's written in to us before, and I will do my best to read Slowmo's email in the spirit in which it was intended. <laughs> and Slowmo writes, HR Puffin Stuff, HR Puffin Stuff. George was talking about HR Puffin Stuff. You guys knew all those never-before-seen shows, but didn't know that George was talking Talking about HR Puffin stuff? You gotta be effing kidding me! <laughs> Slow mo continues. Whew, okay, I'm better now. Had lots of exclamation points to get off my chest. Sincerely, Slow Mo. Thank you, Slow Mo. <laughs> Damn right. These assholes never listened to me. They weren't even paying attention. They didn't know what I was talking about. But Slow Mo is us. my new favorite fourth listener. <laughs> As an apology for putting so much frustration, I'm sure uh, poor Slomo is screaming at his, whatever you scream at, your phone or your radio or whatever you're listening to the show on, we've decided to take Slomo's suggestion for this backtrack topic. He had suggested you guys should talk about Disney and how much it's changed since we were growing up as Gen Xers. And that's exactly what we're going to do. That's a yeah. big, great topic. We're going to talk about the Disney experience for us. And I want to make a caveat here and make it very clear for us, being guys who mostly grew up in Florida or the surrounding East Coast area, we're talking about Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. We're aware of Disneyland. It's out there. I think, Mo, you've been there. I've never been. George, you went because you lived out there for a time. Yeah, right? I went there one time. Yep. But by by and large, first of all, we were never there as uh, kids growing up. Right. George, you went as an adult. Yep. We are going to be talking in this episode about our Walt Disney World experience. You can still go to Disney. It's still there. But like so <laughs> many things, as we, we look through the lens of old guys who grew up in the 70s and 80s, it was different for us then. And we're going to kind of reminisce on that. And we're going to start right now. Whose wondrous portals open to Adventureland, Tomorrowland, Frontierland, and Fantasyland. In case anybody wasn't aware, 1971 was an awesome damn year. First of all, <laughs> the best Gen X grown-up podcast component was born in 1971. That's No, you were born in 71? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh, George, sorry. George means George. me in French. Something else more pertinent to our discussion happened in 71. Yes. A few months later, because they saw me being born, and they said, well, we have to create something that this wonderful child is going to enjoy they opened up the Walt Disney World Magic Kingdom theme park in October of 1971 yeah now I was already around so I laid the groundwork for it <laughs> well I think for you they were thinking we have to build something somewhere where we can just stick this child because he's going to ruin things for everybody so let's just build something and keep him out of our way how right they were well you grew up in that area too right John that's right I grew up just over the uh, Polk Osceola County line in Florida uh, up until I left for college and it was less than 30 minutes from my house but 
So that was 71, but the Magic Kingdom is just a part of Walt Disney World. Right. Yeah, and that always threw me off, too, because when I was a kid, I didn't call it the Magic Kingdom. When it was the only park, I called it Walt Disney World. Disney's Disney. It's just yeah. Disney. It's Disney. Yeah. It's all Disney. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's Disney. Magic Kingdom was so successful that in 82, they opened up Epcot. Yep. Yes. Now, today, Epcot is a word. Capital E, P-C-O-T, Epcot. It's just the name of the place. But back then... But it wasn't always like that. That's right. When yep. it opened, what did it stand for? I don't remember. I just remember it was an acronym. Educational Prototype Community of Tomorrow. You're so close. Experimental oh. Prototype Community of Tomorrow. That's right. There you go. And the concept was it was actually going to be like... Epcot was more than just a theme park. It was going to be this town called Celebration that still is over there. It's a whole in community where people live and work and play and shop. Yeah, it's supposed to be almost like a world's fair kind of thing, right? Where they're showing like the future technology and... Yeah, so the back half was a tour of the different worlds, which it right. still is. And the front half was almost like an expo, like a World's Fair, like you mentioned, of upcoming tech. And we'll talk about some of that in a minute. Before we talk about the next theme park they opened there, though, I had a lot of friends because I grew up there. I never worked at Disney, but I had tons of friends who did. They had some subversive acronyms for what Epcot actually stood for. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Now, they're not bad, but they're really amusing. So uh, the friend I had who was a tram driver and a joke he told on the tram all the time, he said, you know, welcome to Epcot, experimental prototype community of tomorrow. However, when I pick you up at the end of the day, it will stand for every person comes out tired. <laughs> okay, that's cute. I think I might have heard that one. I kind of remember that. And then uh, the uniforms back then were very kind of like spacey. They were kind of yeah. like metallic looking and blue. Right. And so with the tab collar kind of deal. Yeah, they, you're right. Yeah, you kind of Star Trekky almost. And so my other friends uh, in- internally said that Epcot stood for Experimental Polyester Clothing of Tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> okay. okay. But eventually they did move on and the success of Magic Kingdom and Epcot and along came what was then Disney MGM. Yeah. yeah. Disney MGM Studios. 1989. It's not MGM Studios anymore. It's just, I think it's just Disney Studios. Disney Studios right? now. Yeah. MGM and the they split their licensing partnership and stuff. So MGM was no longer or is no longer a part of Disney. Right. And they did some cool things there too. I mean, that was later in the 90s, but it was an interesting park. Most of what we're going to talk about is pretty much about the Magic Kingdom and Epcot, because those were the ones that we experienced growing up. But we may touch on some stuff at MGM as well. Sure. So we're talking in this backtrack about not what Disney is so much, but how the experience has changed between what it was like for us growing up and kind of what you would experience if you go to the Magic Kingdom today or any of the other parks. Uh, and just to give you an idea, in 2015, the cost of a one-day ticket to the Magic Kingdom broke $100 for the first time. Mm. Yeah. But when we were kids, all the way from when Disney opened until 1984, a one-day ticket Ticket to the Magic Kingdom was under $20 adjusted for inflation. That's right. Less than 20 bucks. Wow. That kind of gives you an idea of the scale of how things have changed. Well, they've certainly grown the parks since then. I mean, maybe not necessarily in size. The parks are still kind of the same size as they were, but they've definitely revamped and re-added. And... It's changed. I mean, it's evolved and changed, right? Yeah. Welcome aboard the Jungle Cruise. I'll be your skipper and guide down the rivers of adventure. You know, we always turn and take a last good look at the dock and wave goodbye because uh, we may never see it again. I don't know about for you guys, but for me, the biggest attraction of going to Disney in the first place was all of the cool rides. They weren't like your your county fair rides. Yeah. Yeah. These were tip top things. Not your tilt-a-whirls or... (laughs) You know, your spinners of death or those kinds of things. They had some upscale stuff that to this day is still awesome. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of my favorites that was a favorite back then and still today, anytime I go to Disney World, I ride this ride every 
single time, mainly because the line is not terribly long, is Jungle Cruise. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah you get to see yeah. the backside of water. Yeah. It's a fun little <laughs> relaxing ride. I mean, when you're walking around Disney World for a whole day, especially now that we're older, and even back then, you kind of want to find that ride where you can sit down for a little while. A sometimes. place to sit down once in a while. Yeah. Would be nice. yeah. So you still want to be entertained, so you don't want to just sit on a bench or a curb. But Jungle Cruise is that kind of ride. It's got a. It's usually got a really funny conductor. I know they have scripts and they have to tell certain jokes and things like that. They're cute and they're funny and they're hammy and you know. And then they've got the animatronic guys who are popping out of you out of the jungle, the different creatures and animals. And that and thing whatnot. tends to get in more and more disrepair every time I go back. Fewer elephants are working and fewer yeah. things are there, but it's still a boat ride. It's still fun. When I was a kid, that boat felt like it was real. Like I thought we could float off into the bank and be attacked <laughs> by one of those hippos, you know? I mean, it's on a track, but you don't know that. Yeah, you don't, you know, you're a kid, you don't know, and you're you're worried like, should I stick my hand in the water outside of the boat when the guy's not looking? <laughs> You know, is something going to bite me? Am I going to get electrocuted? Please keep your hands inside the vehicle at all times. Right. And that was easy to get into with a short line. Right. But another one of your favorites you mentioned, George, is maybe the longest line there ever was. Oh, my God. That was so painful. Tomorrowland Speedway had an incredibly long line because it gave kids something that they desperately wanted, and that was to be an adult. You get to drive. Yeah, you You get get to to drive drive a car. Like, it had a track in the middle of it, but it was a free steer. It was, yeah. And I did, every time, would turn that thing to the left and smack that middle track real hard, (laughs) turn it back to the right. So if my mother was riding with me, because you remember when you were a certain height, you had to have have an adult ride in with you. Oh, yeah. That's right. It seemed to me it was like a two-hour wait at least. I probably only ever rode that thing. Yeah. Maybe four times ever, because I don't want to spend that much of my day standing in that line. It was an incredible line. Yeah, it had to be like the first thing you hit when you got there or something. Yeah, yeah. Hurry or catch it before it closes at the end of the day when people are leaving. You know another one that had a really long line is uh, Space Mountain. Oh, yeah. You know, it's gotten better now. They do a really good job of managing that line. Yeah. You know, that was one of those rides that when I was a kid, I was almost a little too afraid to go on it because a roller coaster inside in the dark, that's like, you know, that's not kid material necessarily. But then when I got a little bit older, like in middle school and high school area, I would ride that thing four or five times in a row and by that time the mm-hmm. newness of the ride had worn off on people so the line wasn't quite as long so you could jump back in line and ride it three or four times sometimes well we are not going to talk about cool rides at disney without talking about what is my all-time favorite ride and it has changed a lot since i started going i am your host your ghost, ghost. <laughs> <laughs> kindly step all the way in please and make room for everyone there's no turning back now our tour begins in this gallery where you see paintings of some of our guests they appear in their more corruptible mortal state your cadaverous pallor betrays an organ for... <laughs> You've been there I mean, more that than that thing, once, huh? I've been in so many times. I'm, I'm like that insufferable Star Wars guy who's seen it so many times. He talks along with it. I talk along with that ride when I go. The Haunted Mansion. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what... It, I think it's because it almost... It doesn't fit in Disney. It's so cool because everything at Disney is so pretty and shiny and clean. And they have a manufactured grittiness and spookiness uh, in the Haunted Mansion that's so and cool. And also the humor. The humor in it, too, is funny. It was one of the first rides that had that pre-ride experience that I remember. Mm-hmm. Where when you were in the line, you know, you could read the tombstones and all of that stuff. I mean, that was stuff that was really cool before the ride. Now that's kind of a commonplace thing. But back then, I don't mm-hmm. remember it being on a lot of rides. And that's expanded a lot. If you go in more recent years, they've added a pet cemetery. They've added a bunch of props out there and, and things to play with that make music and take pictures. And But none of that was there before. And they even added parts of the ride that are different. There's this M.C. Escher-esque staircase where there's ghost 
footprints walking and that wasn't there. I could go on and on about the Haunted Mansion. There's a mythology about it. There was supposed to be a wedding ring of the bride who is up in the attic that's in the, the concrete down below on the sidewalk. It's just oh, amazing. Geez. There's so much <laughs> mythology to it. Did they ever put a tombstone in for that awful Eddie Murphy movie? Because <laughs> <laughs> that thing died a horrible death and should definitely be in the graveyard. Oh, here lies <laughs> the Haunted Mansion movie. <laughs> and plus, it was always living in Florida. It was so nicely air-conditioned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Haunted Mansion. I am your host, your ghost host. <laughs> One thing I think we need to kind of also talk about is the fact that, you know, if you look at the Magic Kingdom, the Magic Kingdom itself had subparks in it. Right, right. Tomorrowland, yeah, Adventureland. Yeah, right. Now they've kind of expanded that out, so now Magic Kingdom's just one park within four or five parks they have right now. Right, yeah, it's like subsets of subsets. They keep getting uh, more subdivided. That brings up another ride that I completely forgot to even think about uh, was one that my mother and I, that was her favorite ride, was the um, Country Bear Jamboree. It wasn't really a ride. (laughs) Yeah, it was a show. But a review show, animatronic, kind of like the first Chuck E. Cheese style thing, and it's still there. That was the bomb when I was a kid. How about the Hall of the Presidents? I didn't really want to go to... <laughs> but yeah, we kind of went to it. First time I saw it when they had, I think it was Abraham Lincoln's one that stands up. Mm-hmm. Like he's sitting and he stands up. Yeah. And they actually yeah. made it looks like so natural. I was pretty impressed. I mean, especially for the time. There's a lot of tech going on in the Hall of Presidents of their animatronics and they got better and better over time and kind of the more momentum in their movement instead of just jerky robotic stuff. You know, even when we were kids and it was that jerky robotic motion and everything, you, you didn't it notice still that. Magical. It was still magical. No. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Now those were all rides that are still there. Yeah. What about rides that are gone? Yeah, they they got rid of some stuff. Play taps for the uh, rides that are gone. Yeah. Yep. Some of them are gone entirely. Most of them just got repurposed. Well, yeah, right? they, they made another ride out of it. Uh, Mission to Mars mm-hmm. is a great one. Right. That was awesome. Well, first of all, George, tell people about Mission to Mars. Mission to Mars, you go in and you have this little debriefing and everything like you do on a lot of Disney rides. And then you finally go into the theater. And the theater is a very simple setup. It had a screen mm-hmm. below everybody in like stadium style seating like you guys know from theaters. So in the middle of a rounded theater, there was a circular screen down in the floor. And then in the top, there was another circular screen. And those showed yep. you the outside views of your rocket. And when you would yep. take off, your seats would vibrate and you could kind of rumble yeah and rumble kinda... and you could look up and then there were some screens on the side that were you know kind of like mimicked portholes on a ship sort of and you could kind of yeah. see things as they went by but that was the whole ride and then of course in typical disney fashion something would go wrong <laughs> you know you'd have to abort the mission that makes it exciting right that might have been one of those rides that really started my love of space exploration technology that was kind of the tech ride that i really gravitated toward in disney world yeah. when i was a kid or Magic Kingdom, I guess. But as you mentioned, Gone Now, it changed a couple of times. First, they changed it and it was this um, extraterrestrial alien encounter for oh, a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was something else. And now, I think today, even if you go, it's Lilo and Stitch rides. Uh, Stitch's Great Escape. Oh, is it now? That's what it is? <laughs> yeah. It's the same place. I mean, you go to the same place, but it's, uh, it's a different ride entirely and it's based on Lilo and Stitch. They took one of their properties and baked it in. Yeah, I would have liked if they would have kept the Mission to Mars. I would have enjoyed sharing that with my children. For me, the one that 
that I missed the most by far is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. This ride never made any sense to me at all. <laughs> what was it supposed to, right? What is it doing here? I mean, I guess it's based on some cartoon that I'd never seen. Oh, Wind in the Willows, I think it is. From like 1908. Yeah. It was so goofy. Yeah. If you've never been on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and you missed it, it's yeah. gone now. Right. You ride in this little car and you go through this door and it's essentially you causing so much chaos in your car you can't believe. <laughs> right. Unlike It's a Small World with all the animatronic guys, this really was just like cardboard cutouts, like wooden cutouts of all these cartoon characters. And you drive through town and you drive through a bakery and all the bread is falling over and you drive through the livery stable and the horses are all bucking. And then at the end, you drive directly in down a tunnel and you hear a train and you see a light and basically it's hitting you. Yeah. And in bizarre Disney fashion, you end up in hell and your car is driving <laughs> through right. hell and all these you. devils yeah. were dancing around. And then that's the end of the ride. Yep. Please step out to your right. Yeah. <laughs> Try not to burn your feet. And you had a little steering wheel that didn't do anything. You could just spin it like crazy, but I used to pretend I was driving it because I knew the ride so well. <laughs> right. I miss that ride so much. If, if I could get one ride back, that would be the one. That would be the one? All right. That would be the one. So you wouldn't want 20,000 leagues under the sea back then? Oh, if I could get two, I might get 20,000 leagues. Oh, but right. That's the one I remember probably the most is 20,000 leagues. Yeah. Because that one, it was a staple back in the day. And it made sense. It was based on 20,000 leagues under yeah. the sea. I understood right. why it was there. And, you know, again, like you actually <laughs> went under like only like two feet of water. But when you were inside, hey, you covered the portholes. That's all you cared about, right? Well, and I think that was part of the mystique of that ride. You know, you felt like, unlike some of the other rides like Jungle Cruise or Mission to Mars or anything like that, mm -hmm. you felt like physically you were entering another world. The other rides, it you was, know, you really could cool. tell there was some fakery going on. But this one, it mm -hmm. really felt like you were in the ocean. I mean, they did a wonderful job with the bubbles. Remember the bubbles yeah. would yeah. come up from the portholes as you were going down. And the squid and, attack. Right. And didn't it feel <laughs> yes, at the colder end of squid attack. as you went down? I mean, I know you didn't. Oh, yeah, they did. But it by felt far. like it yep. got colder. They upped it. They Well, they, they had to because people have their face pressed up against the windows. So they were pumping cold air right at those windows in your face so it didn't fog up. So it oh. got colder as you went. <laughs> I wondered yep. what that was. I, you know, as a kid, yeah. you don't, you don't, you're not trying to solve the equation yep. so much as you're living the experience. But And you never got any deeper, but it felt like it because things got darker and there were more mysterious fish and there were glowy fish and like Mo said the squid attack was so cool yeah I was aware at that age of like how pressure affected you as you went down deep and I would swear to my father I think we're going so deep my ears are popping dad you know and this placebo effect right and he would just look at me like you're a dumbass what are you thinking I can't believe you're my he child he wouldn't buy in for me when they were tearing that up I saw you know some of the behind the scenes because I told you I had friends that you know, I worked there over the years you know and I saw the squid attack and you never think about this as a kid, but there was only three little loops of squid arms because you didn't have to see the rest right, of the squid. The oh, right. And they weren't even, the construction wasn't done. It was just the insides of these squid arms. The rest right. was just scaffolding. Boy, they did a great job of it and made you feel like it was happening. And yeah. That's another one that you, you miss if you don't have it now. That's the one thing that's, that's wonderful about nostalgia. You miss those things, but you have such fond memories of them that you can talk forever and almost relive the experience yourself. That's the best part of it for me sometimes. Right. L longer than anyone would like to hear us talk than we can do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Except for us. <laughs> Come along, hop up here. We'll go for a jolly ride. The open road, the dusty highway. Come, I'll show you the world. Travel, change, excitement. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs>
Magic Kingdom obviously is the bulk of what we're talking about because that was around for the bulk of our uh, growing up. Mm -hmm. But when Epcot came out in 82, it was very, very different than it is now. Yeah. Initially, Mo, you were talking about the beginning was that World's Fair kind of showcase of technology. And on either side of the big globe, the spaceship Earth, they had what they called Communicore East and Communicore West. Those were the best parts. It was like a hands-on tech experience. It was like what Apple Store wishes it was. (laughs) And way ahead of its time. They had cutting-edge stuff there. So 1982, I was 11 years old. First, you see the giant sphere. Everybody knows the giant geodesic dome sphere, you know, and it's got the ride on it with Spaceship Earth, right? You know, the Communicore East and West, those were, to me, my favorite parts of the technology side of the park. It's like toys. It's like an arcade for free. It was. It was a free arcade. And back then, you know, you were pumping quarters into your arcade. So now you've got this free arcade. One of my favorite little, I guess you would call it a game. It probably wasn't meant to be a game. It was probably meant to be a demonstration of technology. Sure. A voice activated mouse maze game. I remember it. Do you remember this? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, that. you're trying to get the mouse to the cheese right. and you yelled at it. Left, forward, left. You had this rotary phone handset type of device. You would pick it up, you would put left, right, forward, you know, up, down, you know, all like that. And the freaking mouse would never go where you told it to. I mean, that thing would just sit there and taunt you. This it little... pretty much just heard you yelling. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like Siri, right? Right. <laughs> and I would spend hours there and kids would be lined up mad behind me. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm getting this mouse to the cheese. I don't care. <laughs> and Communicore was the first place I ever experienced a touch screen. Yes. I remember there was this screen that you could uh, build a roller coaster. It had like five or six parts and you could drag out a loop or drag out a, right. a ramp or whatever. And then you put play in the corner and it would kind of give you like a wireframe view of you going through the very thing that you built which is pretty neat. This was all in the early 80s. That's what is so important about this. This was long before touchscreens now. They're a part of like McDonald's. Everything. I mean, they're everywhere. (laughs) You know, they're in your pocket. But back then, and it was so seamless. That was my introduction to any of that tech. You have voice recognition, robotics. Robotics, yeah. They had a lot of robotics stuff there. They had the one that where you could control the arm and you would pick up the little pieces and move them around. Yeah, move around, stack them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. That was so cool. The phenomenal music and dance of Michael Jackson. Captain EO. Another attraction that's gone now was this Michael Jackson thing called Captain EO. Yeah. And remember, George, you were telling me a story about something that you exploited in the Disney ecosystem to get to see Captain EO before you should have. When I was in high school, I we went on a field trip down to Disney World, as Florida high schools tend to do. You know, that kind of becomes your traditional high school trip. Oh, yeah. We went down, but we were going to Magic Kingdom that time. And Magic Kingdom is fun, but when you're in high school, it's not as fun as Epcot. But I had found out that they had this thing where you could buy what was called a shopping pass. You could buy the ticket at regular price. You could go into the park, and as long as you were back within an hour, you got your money back. You didn't have to (laughs) prove that you were there shopping. You just had to get there and get back within an hour. So what I did was I snuck off from the group. I jumped on one of the trams to go from Magic Kingdom over to Epcot, bought my shopping pass, and ran. I did not walk. I ran (laughs) to Journey into Imagination because the Captain EO Theater was right next to the Journey into Imagination. It was brand new. Yep. And it had a long line because it was Michael Jackson, Captain EO, and it was a 3D film. It was brand new. And it was good. 
Yeah, it was good too. Jumped in, got to see the film, got back with four minutes left, (laughs) got my money back, got back on the tram. Nobody knew I was gone. Never the wiser. (laughs) Yep, I was gone for about an hour and a half total. Nobody knew I was gone. I got to see Captain EO. You're talking about school trips. I mean, part of the experience for me, too, was uh, living right there, as I mentioned, just over the county line. Every trip, they want to take you somewhere special. Oh, your sixth grade graduation. Oh, your eighth grade graduation. Right. It was Disney, right? Yeah. And the thing we used to do was, when you get bored of all the rides you've already ridden, or you're out of money and you can't go to the arcade on Main Street anymore. Right. Yeah, the Penny Arcade. <laughs> we would take the little paddle boat across to Tom Sawyer's Island. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There were these caves you could explore. I remember that. Yeah, it's still there but it's not the same because i went back recently with my daughter to say man we used to go to tom sawyer island let me show you cool stuff there's a place where you could go under the bridge and the whole tom sawyer island isn't really caves of course they're like a mesh wire with sprayed fiberglass on it you could go climb under this one bridge and you could end up inside the walls where you shouldn't be oh you'd go back there and you'd screw around and you make out with your girlfriend or <laughs> whatever or you it was just neat to be places you weren't supposed to yeah. be that they were not customer facing we right. used to dig in there and now that's sealed off or something i guess yeah it's all sealed off you can't get in there they got some they figured us out yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then in high school i went there for grad night a few times grad night was a big thing right wait how many times did you graduate from high school <laughs> <laughs> well i went when i was a sophomore when i was a junior so i went three times and to I went grad when I was a night. did you really you went three times to grad night <laughs> yeah and that's where i saw uh elo that's where i saw samantha fox ready for the world yep. i mean a lot of big groups that were big in the 80s they came to grad night they'd have four or five stages all playing at different times right there's one over in tomorrowland and there's one at the castle yeah because that was way back before the halloween horror nights craze and all of that kind of that's stuff. right grad night mm-hmm. was the thing i mean i only went when i was a senior so i didn't get to cheat and go like you did a sophomore and junior i don't think that's fair by the way i think you should have your you just got to date older girls and then you can go as the date wow <laughs> that worked out mo I know, I know you didn't live in florida nope but did you get to go or did you oh get yeah to, what did you do how what was your disney stuff like that was a big summer family trip it was uh we went from new york and drove to disney world okay and so that was back in probably 80 80 81 somewhere yep. in that area all right so even pre-epcot good yeah i have to tell you my i have a unique experience is that i could tell you what it's like to get lost there as a child <laughs> Like to get lost in Disney or to get lost on the way to Disney? No, no, in Disney. Mo, they they pass out maps, Mo. No, no. When you're when you're seven or eight, maps don't really help. <laughs> okay. Because I was walking point. through, like you know where the central point is that you can go. Each hub takes you to a different part of Disney World. Yeah, like so around the castle, right, right, around you, can, the castle. you can go off in any one of the so lands. It was yeah. super crowded. I was holding my dad's hand. We're walking through this thing. You know, people are bumping. We finally get out of the crowd. I look up and it's not my dad. Oh. <laughs> Whose hand were you holding? I was holding some random dude's hand, and he said, you're not my son. <laughs> yeah, imagine. But I'm holding wow. your hand, you little child. Come with me. And the guy was super nice, but he was like, okay. And then we found some Disney folks, and they like basically took me to this area where they gave me something to eat, and they had like Walt Disney movies were showing. Fell asleep. My dad came in, woke me up. <laughs> I wish I'd knew that uh, hacking Disney trick. I would have gotten lost on every school right? trip and got some free food. That would have been great. Food and movies? <laughs> yeah, but you know, like I said, so it wasn't hard. But I had spent every dollar my parents gave me in the arcade on the way in, so I usually had no money for food. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I still remember Disney like very well back then. And like Epcot, it was the year before Epcot opened, actually. I know that. The other really unique experience for us was right now, if you go to Disney, you pay the ticket price and you just 
do whatever you want and go wherever you want. Right. But when it first opened, you bought these little ticket books. Like with your ticket, I think it came with a little booklet of a few tickets and they were lettered, right? right? You yeah. Had a, yes. B, C, D, and E tickets. The older letters were earlier in the theme park's history and then later on they got to the D and the E. It was like based on popularity, right? The better the ride, right. the higher the letter. So right. like Space Mountain was an E ticket ride. Yes. And Teacups was an A ticket ride. Right. Hall of Presidents, A. a. <laughs> right. <laughs> One of the cool little things about those ticket books and everything, because it was kind of based off of like if you go to your fair now, you can buy coupons to ride the rides. Right. It's two coupons, four coupons to get in. Exactly. Right. And that's the way Disney set their thing up because, you know, back then that was the model. The neat thing about the ticket books was they actually had a monetary face value. Yeah, you were talking to me about this and your research for this show. I didn't realize you could merge tickets. Like if you had a couple of B's, you could turn them into a C or a D. Oh, really? Yeah. So A tickets were worth 10 cents. B tickets were 15. C were 25. D's were 50. And E tickets were a very oddly priced 85 cents. I can see that. All right. At least they didn't jump to a dollar. I never realized that. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, when I was a child, I guess it kind of taught me a little bit about how to manipulate things a little bit like okay <laughs> yeah you're, you're budgeting yeah you know it was really cool i guess there's advantage of that that it kind of helps limit the crowds at these rides well it did right yeah that's whereas now everybody just goes wherever they want as many times as they want mm-hmm. it kind of helped with the flow right. you know the less popular rides were easier to get into of course really cool experience with the tickets that i had was both my mother and my grandmother they worked at a hotel right next to the disney entrance so they saw people all day long who had been to disney Disney, uh-huh. And now they're going back home. You're right. And they ended up not needing these extra ticket yeah, books. What are you going to do with them, right? And they would just give them to the people they would meet there in the hotel. Yeah, here, take them. Really? We had, listen, when I went on a trip to Disney, <laughs> I had a one gallon Ziploc bag full of these old <laughs> wow. ticket books partially used right partially right. used yeah occasionally there was an e-ticket in there but for the a and b tickets i could ride the living shit out of mr <laughs> toad's wild ride because i had so many tickets and i made so many friends on those yep. trips that wanted to hang out with me of course John, can i get some tickets because <laughs> they didn't really expire right they didn't no, no they never expired as a matter of fact that was up until the early 80s 82 was when the, the coupons finally left that makes sense because that's also when the cost of entry spiked because oh, yeah. there's say, hey, well, it costs more, but you don't have to buy the tickets anymore, so. Yeah, that was when they switched over to the one price for the whole thing system. And uh, speaking of progress, there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow and tomorrow is just a dream away. Something that we have today, we've been talking about nostalgia and how things were better back then. There's a few things they've enhanced that are even better today that I find are really enjoyable. If you go to any of the parks now, all over the park, they have this thing called Hidden Mickeys. Oh, yeah. You heard of these? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Any ride you go to somewhere, there's basically the shape of Mickey's head and his ears that's like hidden in hieroglyphics in Spaceship <laughs> Earth. Right. Or it's hidden in some plates on the wall of Country Bear Jamboree. It's like this kind of Easter eggy thing that if you're tired of, I've ridden the ride twice, let's ride it again and see if we can spot an Easter egg. That's something you can do now. There's even a, a phone app you can get that tells you, all right, well, in this place, here's where you look for an Easter egg. <laughs> oh. If you're like us and you've been a bajillion times and you're going with somebody else 
that maybe hasn't been a bajillion times, you're like, okay, I'll go on the stupid ride with you that I've already seen. You can get something different out of it when you go back with family or friends that haven't been because you can look for these hidden Mickeys, which is kind of this meta thing to do inside of that little Disney ecosystem. That's pretty cool. You're achievement collecting. <laughs> you are. That's yeah. what you're doing. 100% right there, right? it, man. You get 100%. <laughs> and those people who came down who hadn't been, that was a whole other slice of Disney too, is getting there and entertaining people who hadn't been because you're now the expert. Well, we got to talk to Mo about that because Mo had to drive the farthest of any of us to get there. That's right. Yeah. Like I said, I definitely didn't grow up going to Disney, but we went there on a, a family trip, like I said, back in the 80s. And back then, okay, coming from New York, Really, when New Yorkers back then, as a kid, especially when you think of Florida, you think Walt Disney. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, basically, yeah. That's what Florida Walt is. Walt Disney takes up the entire state. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Disney and some orange yeah, Exactly. Right. And, and then there's Disney a, and, and Orlando is the capital. And <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> But I can tell you that the one thing that was kind of cool is that, especially driving down as a kid, we wound up showing up here like late and we got here just in time to see the fireworks. Oh, oh that's a great start. Yeah. And, and that was like, <gasps> you know, especially as a little kid, you know, you're like, oh my. I got you know like and you see Mickey everywhere and it was and the thing also I guess is that uh, I'm gonna be there tomorrow exactly I mean the one thing I always liked about Disney is that everything just sort of works and you don't have to worry about so much about like it's clean it, that's like, right they keep the yeah. illusion going yeah it's not the yeah. filthy fairground that's got dead rats laying all over the place or corn yeah, dogs exactly. pieces that's an amazing point too Mo because I mean other attractions popped up around in my little Polk County area we had a thing called Circus World that later turned into Boardwalk and Baseball and it was the same idea like well hell they're down here to see Disney yeah. they'll come see this other attraction right yeah and you could just blindfold me and walk me in somewhere and just show me like a trash can in Disney or in Circus World and I could tell you which one we're in <laughs> because really was it well painted mm -hmm. was it clean was it empty was the concrete cracked underneath it I mean everything was pristine in Disney yeah, yeah. No, no trash cans overflowing no <laughs> the other other attractions were just kind of like yeah we're phoning it in because you're here to see Disney anyway but Disney always had that polish we had relatives that would come to visit us, and I think it was strictly to try and get us to take them to Disney. Like, they didn't care <laughs> about us or seeing Florida. No, they were like, let's go see them because they live somewhat near Disney. They're in Florida. They That's in Florida. close <laughs> enough to Disney World. We were yeah. four and a half hours or three and a half hours, whatever it is, down to Orlando, but they didn't care. So we went, and back then, Disney didn't have its own theme hotels like it does now. Now, remember, I went with my uncle and his family, and we stayed at this little Days Inn. It was basically like a Motor Inn version. You know, it was one level, and the door faced out to the parking lot. They had this little arcade yep. that we played in for hours and everything. But I remember the first time we all went to Disney World. And these, my family is from Kentucky. So these are not like city folk at all. The first time they went into <laughs> Disney, their eyes just popped out of their heads and just exploded with wonder and <laughs> awe. Wow, this isn't just cartoons, it's real? You know, growing up here, I said, I always had a lot of people, uh, friends uh, who worked there. And so going to Disney became a thing you did when you were bored on the weekend. As an employee, you could always go in and bring one friend with you. Oh, okay. Oh, right, yeah. So the friends and family stuff, right? Yeah. So when I, when I was a teen and I had friends that you know, worked there, you know, whatever they did and they're off on a weekend like what do you want to do like yeah, let's go to Epcot and we would go and just like go do two things it wasn't a day for us it would spend a couple of hours and just do it because it costs zero right. so, so your, it. your friends that worked there were like your shopping pass they were my shopping pass but you pass. didn't have a That's time right. limit you could just go right. no you could just go and we would do that all the time but even if you can't do that there's so much to remember about what Disney used to be and the cool thing is it's still evolving right oh, yeah. yeah so even millennials 
today, there'll be millennial grown-up channels on YouTube in a few years, and they'll be talking about the things they saw in Disney in the early 2000s that are gone. Back in my still day, evolving. we used to have to wear wristbands to get on our tickets. And <laughs> now it's all just retinal scans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you gotta think about it, though I mean one thing I have to give Disney credit for is that buying well Disney World I mean I think I read somewhere that Disney World is like land wise is like twice the size of Manhattan oh yeah mm-hmm. I you wouldn't know? doubt that I mean they, right. and so they, they can, own that whole county yeah so they could basically keep building probably not even make a dent in how much land they actually own a lot of potential yeah. yeah even the grass and everything is so neatly groomed and everything like you think it's fake like yeah. wow is yeah. that real grass or did they just like construct that <laughs> well yeah you wonder like is that a real nope. squirrel or is that an animatronic <laughs> right because <laughs> he's damn cute and i wonder if that's a real squirrel i don't know, I don't know. it ate a peanut yeah i don't, I don't know, know. Could it's have a hat, though, so i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> celebrating walt disney world's 20th anniversary with 20 spectacular reasons to visit this year what's more fun than visiting the walt disney world resort staying here do you love comic books and consider yourself a die-hard fan then you need to listen to parlapod We have news, reviews, and interviews with your favorite pros, all while bringing some serious laughs. New episodes drop every Wednesday in time for New Comic Book Day. Parlapod is available on the Project Entertainment Network, all major podcast outlets, and parlapod.com. Tune in and fuel your fandom with Parlapod. I'm not sure exactly how many show notes we can find to our past for things that aren't there, but I'm sure that Mo can find some. He can search some out and put those down below because there were a lot of wonderful experiences that are no longer there that we really want to share with our audience. Yeah, there are some great websites that are all about things that are gone from Disney, so I'm sure Mo's going to find those. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And hey, just so people don't miss any future episodes, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of iTunes, If you use iTunes, or even if you don't, fire up that iTunes app, leave us a review and a rating. That review is what really matters. Just write a sentence or two about how much you love us. It really helps people to find the podcast. And speaking of find us, if you have a friend who does not yet listen to the show, please tell them about us. You know, this show came about because our fourth listener decided to defend me and make sure (laughs) that you guys were aware of HR Puff and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then led us into this wonderful discussion about Disney. So if you guys want to be that fourth listener that leads us into our next wonderful backtrack topic send us an email at podcast at genxgrownup.com hey and just in case this podcast is not enough gen x grown up for you it's not enough you can visit us on youtube or on our website which is genxgrownup.com man this has been a good time i want to go to disney i know i kind of want to go now now. (laughs) i'm gonna go (laughs) do you have any friends or family that work there so we can get in for free (laughs) yeah really no i I, I pay now unfortunately Uh. Well, can you be our friend that pays and so we can get him for free? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like the way you think, George. Uh, no. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the time to be here today, guys. A lot of fun. George, thank you. Yes, sir. And Mo, always a pleasure. Yep, always a pleasure. And fourth listener, we will all talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye-bye. Take care. See you guys. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown up? No games, no puns. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks Assemble! 
Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.